0: normally what i do here is we'd have a bit of a discussion about you know, what are some of the advantages that you can get from uh, pregnancy scanning you use. And there's about 10 of those that, that are often come up um, in terms of the benefits they give you in terms of more informed management that you can undertake on your farms. And clearly um, the, the first benefit is you can get rid of um, some of those non-pregnant ewes early um, and therefore reducing some of that late autumn winter feed demand. And that obviously depends on um, when you mate, exactly when scanning occurs. And of course, that was one of the early uh, advantages you get from uh, using a harness. You know, At the end of mating, if, if you've got harnesses on teams of rams and a ewe has no mark on her rump, it's pretty difficult for her to get pregnant um, so that you know you can get rid of those animals earlier to save some feed. You can use... Once you know how many fetuses are on board, you can target your feeding. I'm gonna talk a lot, bit about, a lot about that today to try to get within that so-called optimum lamb birth weight ranges for singles and multiples. Although I will talk a bit later on about how difficult that is to manipulate birth weight of a lamb based on feeding only. Depending on whether you're talking about multiples or, or singletons, you can control level of feeding as, as a means to reduce you losses from things like uh, sleep sickness or pregnancy toxemia making sure those multiple-bearing uh, ewes aren't under too much of a nutritional stress, avoiding ups and downs in their feeding, which uh, can push them towards pregnancy toxemia. And there is a bit of evidence, although it's only a bit, and you know it's a real uh, career killer to try to say that you know the uh, cause of prolapses or bearings, but there is a bit of evidence to suggest that um, overfeeding, etc., cetera, can, um, in some instances, instances, result in more uh, bearings. So you can reduce you losses by control of feeding. And of course, once you know the number of fetuses on board, you can target feeding those multiple-bearing ewes to try to get the twin lambs up, or the triple lambs up in terms of birth weight, ensuring she's fed well enough so those lambs are nice and vigorous at birth. You know the number of fetuses on board, so you can start selecting some of your paddocks that have better shelter or, or better topography, or flatter paddocks, etc., from lamb survival perspective, because we know that, uh, multiples benefit the most from shelter during lambing, and we also know that uh, once you get above 30 degree gradient, the chances of separation for, in that first 24 hours for a multiple bearing you increases considerably. And if the lamb gets separated, it dies pretty quickly. And you can focus, as I said, on those. If you know that early versus late group, um, whether that's via scanning or potentially you could do that with your harnesses and changing the harness colours, It allows you to maybe put ewes in certain paddocks, uh, so all the early lambing ewes in a set of paddocks, um, that allows you to focus on them post-set stocking. Um, Because, you know, so you never have enough time of the day to, if you are an individual, and it does vary from farm to farm, that likes to interact with their ewes and lambs during lambing to save ewes and lambs, or at least to, you know, cast bearing beets. Knowing that you've only got to concentrate um, on this set of paddocks. Um, does make that a bit easier and allows for more intensive management if you choose. Again, also knowing w- which paddocks the multiple lambing ewes are going to be in and making sure the pasture covers are right, the stocking rate is right, you can maximise milk production and I'll, and I'll show a slide on that in, in later, the later presentation. And so you can, you can manipulate your paddocks a bit to improve not only lamb survival but uh, lamb growth. If you wish, and you do know your body condition score of your ewes, and you know that uh, whether the ewes carrying a single or multiples or single twins triplets, you all know that your, your paddocks, because your winter rotation, will have different pasture covers going into them at set stocking, and therefore those paddocks which have slightly higher cover because you grazed them longer ago in that rotation, they're the ones that you could potentially target to put your poor condition multiples in and maybe the lower stocking rate so they individually get more feed has the benefit from the lamb survival point of view, but also in later lactation, when the ewe actually is under less nutritional stress, she can start to partition extra nutrients towards herself, uh, gaining some more body condition or fat. And we know that the better body condition score she's in going into next breeding, the more likely she'll get pregnant in that first cycle and the more likely she'll be multiple bearing. So you can start to make those type benefits. If you know that um, certain paddocks, because you've set stocked singles and and multiples, or singles and twins and triplets in different paddocks, um, you know then in those individual paddocks whether the lamb is going to be a multiple or not, and you can therefore get your replacement ewe lambs out of certain paddocks only. Now, of course, there's going to be some variation in terms of lamb survival, but at least you know in those paddocks their mothers, um, on average, are more likely to be, from a genetic perspective, more fertile for cull. So they may be the ones that you want to get your replacement ewes out of. And of course, something that you've all done on your farms for a long time, and many and on your farms, if they're multi-generation farms, your parents would have used tailing data. You know, for each paddock or group of paddocks, you'll know how many lambs you tailed because you all love to cut tails off and count them. Um, and if you've also set stocked your use in paddocks with singles in some paddocks, twins in some paddocks and maybe triplets in other paddocks, you know how many fetuses went in there because you know how many ewes and you can times that by one, two or three. So that's your potential lambs. You then count the number of tails because you only tail alive once. That tells you how many are alive and that gives you a lamb survival data for each individual paddock on your farm. If you're doing individual paddocks or groups of paddocks individually at tailing. And that's a very powerful data set. Because if you combine that up over a few over a few years, you then have for your farm, for your environment, identification of your best lamb survival paddocks, and they may not be the ones you think they are. You might think, Jesus, that, that face, you know, that paddock has a lot of south-facing paddocks or uh, etcetera in it, but for some reason that paddock gives you the highest survival. And then going forward in future years, because you've got that information, you can make informed decisions about which use and lambs you put in each paddock for lambing. You know, those that are most likely to die, which are going to be your multiple bearing ewes, they lambs and your triplet bearing ewes, you could target those paddocks where you have, based on scanning data and tailing data, good information on lamb survival. And then again uh, at weaning, you know, if, if you're weaning and, and you know certain paddocks have triplet bearing ewes or trim bearing ewes, you know that on average they're going to be poor, your poor condition ewes and you may not like to do body condition scoring, which is fair enough. Um, but you know, on average, those ewes are going to be the ones that are going to have the use of poorer condition going into next year, and so that's a way of drafting those ewes and thinking about, well, those set of paddocks, which are very ewes, on average, are probably going to be of the poorest condition um, if they're red lambs, if you've wet-dried them. Um, so they're the ones that are probably going to need a bit of extra feed going into next year. So so, so that are really all the types of benefits you can get um, from pregnancy scanning, and there's probably others you can think of. and. Normally now I'd ask you and someone would tell me I was wrong, um, or they could think of some others. But you know, there's, there's at least 10 benefits from from scanning. This is a, some data that came out from ANZ and using beef and lamb data a while ago. I think it was 2016. Each of these dots on here are different farm. I've only got data here for five farm classes, but you pretty much see your. Your EBIT, or your earnings before interest and in tax, etc., goes up as lambing, lambing percentage goes up. Okay, so lambing percentage is important. That's numbers of lambs tailed per ewe that went to the ram. So you want to maximise uh, that performance. And I like this data set from Australia here. Um, and just I'll just take a little bit of time to go to go over this. This is profit. They clearly earn a bit more than some of us, if that's truly profit. But anyway, um, scanning scanning percentage on the bottom axis and these are four populations of uh, as a modelling exercise based on um, twins so whether you're uh, twins so that twin bearing ewes um, scanning percentage and their lamb survival how that increases and you can see here that as and you have to accept some of our cousins in Australia aren't very good that's 44% twin lamb survival which you know would argue is a bit poor um, versus 70%, 70%, so that's 140% uh, lambs weaned, or 1.4 lambs weaned on average per two ewes carried on board, or 83, 166, or 1.66 lambs per ewe that has twin bearing, and now those top two graphs. So what, you, what I want you to take out of that is, as scanning percentage goes up, yes, profitability goes up in all four of those, but the curve is far more steeper when you've got higher lamb survival. So when you can get more lambs alive, you make even more money, and at higher scanning percentage, the impact is even greater. And that's why it's important to be able to know which ewes have what on board, and so you can put the uh, targeted management in place to make sure you can get that high uh, survival. You know there are farmers in New Zealand who achieve 1.4 lambs weaned, so that's this line here, um, per two uh, or twins. On average, and there we are that achieve 1.6, but you can see it's quite a big difference in profitability, even with that small change at that end of the scale. Here's some data that Pete Anderson did in, uh, quite a while back in, in the northern part of the South Island region. And I like this graph because it allows you to determine whether or not you've got a lamb survival issue or not. This is off many hundreds of flocks, give you this best fit line through here. Okay, basically what this tells you that this is average survival from those many flocks. And this is your scanning percentage here, and this is your uh, tailing percentage here. If you're above that line, that tells you on average that your lamb survival is greater than industry average. If you're below this line, in terms of where your tailing percentage is in relation to your scanning, it tells you you're worse than average from a lamb survival point of view. So using that information can allow you to have a bit of a quick think about do you have an issue or not. And there's quite a range of scanning percentages across there, and tailing percentages. Or you could go on the Beef and Lamb uh, website and um, in terms of the on the go uh, on the lambing calculator, you can put it any of the last nine years here. You can put on your farm class whether it's hill, flat, etc., steep, and your region. And based on the farm survey data, you can get for your district what the average lambing percentage is. And then you get it. And I've just used East East Coast Hill Country, North Island, 2018. But you can see there's quite a spread and of course there'll be variation between uh, breed and genotype etc but you can get an idea of where you're sitting um, in relation to others in your district and there are some quite good tools on that um, beef and lamb website that you you can use so i sort of quickly now jump into what you might do in terms of if you have got scanning percentage how you might use that into integrated management plan in a perfect world, in the next talk, I'll, I'll hopefully convince you of this. You'll do a bit of bottom condition scoring. Um, you could use RAM harnesses. However, if you're doing early versus late data being collected on scanning, you don't need to do that. Um, some people use RAM uh, harnesses <coughs> just as a tool to identify, um, say, so for putting in terminal size, those use it to the terminal size, especially if they're using whiteface terminals, so you can split those lambs up so you don't make that mistake in terms of keeping a a terminal cross as a replacement. Some people also uh, change the harness more than once in that first 17 days of breeding. Remember a ewe will cycle every 17 days because we know that 70 to 80 percent of ewes are going to conceive on average in that first 17 days and you might want to be quite specific in your later management uh, in terms of late pregnancy management nutrition or or targeted management over lambing and so if you were to split that first cycle up into two uh, periods you know 30 to 40 percent of your ewes in each period, that's still a significant number of ewes in your flock that you could target. And it's not too small to just to be a pain from a management point of view, and we'll talk about that later on. And of course, if you've got the harnesses, as I said, you could sell those ewes without marks from their rump into breeding. But then you get to ultrasound scanning. And I've just assumed for my example here for two or three slides, that you've got a three-cycle or 51-day breeding period. I myself think that's too long. Two cycles is more than enough. If you're getting 75 to 80 percent conception in each cycle, you're only going to have three to four percent of your use in that last cycle, and that has become a pain. But let's pretend you are. Um, ultrasound scanning needs to be taken, a minimum needs to occur. The you needs to be at least 45 days pregnant for the scanner to have accuracy. Some scanners can get that day down to day 40, but if we say day 45 on average, you will then have some ewes in your flock if you have bred for three cycles. Those where maximum pregnant will be 96 days and those where minimum pregnant will be 45 days. And the reason why your scanner asks you your ram in day or your ram out day or the number of cycles you've bred is because once you get much past 100 days of pregnancy, it actually becomes difficult for the scanner to determine how many fetuses on board. And that's because of some size of some of the structures uh, in the placenta so that's why they have that optimum window so it's important um, that they if you want accuracy scanning you're in the, between that day 45 and 100 of scanning as we talked about you could do single twin or triplet or, or single twin uh, sorry dry single multiple etc and some scanners as i said you can pay a bit more and get the early scan early late and i'm an advocate of here's actually quite an easy time to print uh when you're doing pregnancy scanning to body condition score you use because not many of your ewes walk freely onto that crate. You're often giving them a bit of love with your hand to get them up on that crate and that's an easy way just to feel how much body condition score they've got. And as I'll talk about later, you don't need to know about whether it's a two or two and a half, three, the actual halves. It's about identifying your real skinny ewes and I'll come back to that later. And then as we're going to talk about in the later talk, you can identify your non-pregnant ewes and cell. Here's a time, if you can if identified a thin multiple-bearing ewe, as I'm going to show you in the next slide, there's only a small window where she can, can gain some condition. Um, so you've only got a small window of a few weeks post-scanning where she can put on her own body fat. After that, it's physiologically impossible for her to do that because of the, the, the demands of pregnancy. And we do know with our twin and triplet-bearing ewes under most grazing conditions, they physically can't eat enough to meet their theoretical requirement, grazing herbage on your farm. So therefore they have to use that fat. And if you want a ewe um, to be able to use that fat, she's gotta have some. Otherwise you're gonna get negative consequences in terms of lamb survival, growth, milk production, etc. So those ewes you might target, those poor condition ewes you've just identified, to feed them a bit more then, and the, and the rest of the flock are, are, are maybe on uh, a more maintenance type, pregnancy maintenance requirements, and I'll talk about that a bit later on and you may or may not choose to separate singletons. You may not need to separate singletons and twins here if, you're, if you've taken out your thin multiples. The rest can be in one mole. The, the the reason I want to talk about uh, how difficult it is in late pregnancy, this is just the graph, nominal days of pregnancy, day zero conception through to about date pregnancy in the sheep's about 147 days, but this is how I made the graph, to 150 days. That's the conceptus, uh, fetus growth here. This, Light like pale green line, the blue line is the other development, and the red line is the placenta. Everything's pretty small at about scanning in terms of absolute weight, but you get this rapid fetal growth occurring in those last forty to thirty days of pregnancy. And you look at that, and people say, "Oh well, the fetus is only the lamb's only four and a half kilos. That's not much." But what you're forgetting often is that that's the weight of the fetus. That is at least matched by the amount of fluid that's in the in the in the placenta or in the water bag as some of you may call that. So along the bottom here S means single, TW's twin, TP is triplet. That's how much the conceptus, which is the uterus, the fluids and the fetus or fetuses weigh the day before she lambs. The number of studies we we used have been euthanized. So a triplet bearing ewe even with you know three and a half, four kilo lambs, three of them on board, her total pregnancy weight, that's the fluids and the placenta, is going to be twenty to twenty-two kilos. And she physically cannot eat enough for, for that huge gain to be carrying in late pregnancy. And if she doesn't have the fat or body reserves in late pregnancy for partitioning to make up that gap, she's in a lot of trouble. That's why your trip bearing ewes are more likely to go down. That's why your trip bearing ewes lambs are small, thin. They don't have vigor. She doesn't have much colostrum because she's using all of that reserve to grow this fetus. The fetus is a parasite living inside her from a biological point of view. It just sucks across the placenta. The placenta is a concentration gradient, and she can't stop it. Okay, The fetus just keeps drawing. You know she can't stop it because your ewes go down with sleepy and die. They don't abort to save themselves. Your cows do the same thing. They can't, they're physiologically set up to try to save that fetus at their own cost. And so that's why feeding in early to mid-pregnancy, if you've got a highly fecund flock with a lot of twins and triplets, is very important if you've got use of poor condition. Um, well, so, Yep. Yeah, Jason here. Um, we'll just pause you there. We just had a question come through um, on an earlier slide from, uh, from Herewood. Um, just your views on this. Why don't more people use um, harnesses and also use forage crops through tupping to improve performance? Surely it's quite uh, economic. I think harnesses are just seen as a, as an extra job. I actually think they're an undervalued tool because it allows you to get rid of those non-pregnant ewes very early. If you're in a dry environment, it allows you to get rid of late uh, bred ewes early, and uh, you might better sell them or either for someone else as run with the ram ewes um, unscanned, or, or might be go, able to go to the abattoir. So I think it's an underutilized tool, and I think it's just seen as an extra job. And some people now see it's oh well, it's easy enough. I can do that early, late with scanning. Um, but you scanning, as I said, you've got to wait till day 45 after the last after the day the ram has left the flocks. So you've lost 45 days of potential feed saving. So I personally think that um, harnesses should be used, and at the, at the very least. Um, I'd be using them for your second cycle use, which I'll uh, allow you to ch- uh, which I'll touch on later on in terms of changing feeding management of them. It's about to be the next slide. Um, in terms of crops overbreeding, uh, crops overbreeding can be very valuable and, and they're used a lot overseas in drier environments. Uh, just need to remember that you uh, need time for the animal to adapt to the crop. Um, the, the rumen takes time to adapt. Um, and because the rumen's got millions and millions of bacteria, and there are many different different types of bacteria in the rumen, and they'll dominate. Each different uh, type of bacteria dominates depending on what feed you've got on offer because certain bacteria like certain herbages. And so if you if you change diet, the, the reason why you get that check in performance and a check in intake is because they've got the wrong uh, bacteria population mix and they get rid of a use of a better word, a rumen upset or stomach upset, and it takes a while for the for the new population to adjust and, and the, the right bacteria to, to proliferate enough to dominate. So you do need enough time to uh adapt onto that herbage. Um so in a dry environment or where feed is available, having a good uh quality crop is a good tool. No doubt about that at all. Um, but you just need enough of it um, to uh, allow the animal to adapt. But also, um, and I'll show you a graph in the next slide, Use of good body condition score are less likely to respond in terms of an ovulation rate and a conception rate um, from being fed better. So they don't get the, the old traditional flushing effect, you might call it. Because they're already, because they're in good body condition, they're in a good positive energy balance and their ovulation rate will be near potential anyway.
1: Well, Your- can, I, can I just um, add to that some of the experiences that I've had with clients, um, people using uh, you know, brassica crops uh, for tupping, putting news on anywhere between two days prior to the start of uh, mating to two weeks prior to the start of mating uh, for a period of um, anywhere between 10 and, and um, 21 days. Um, on average seem to be getting a lift in the lambing performance. And admittedly, this is in the, in dry land environments, um, of between, um, 20 and 25% in their scanning performance. Um, just for those of you that are wondering what sort of benefit can be gained. I think also, um, one of the, the reasons they seem to be getting that benefit is, um, just fungal toxin, um, fungal toxins being removed from the, for the from their diet at that particular time also.
0: Yeah, both those points are very valid, Greg. Um, The other point I was going to make is often you don't have enough of that crop if you put it in. Um, So what you can do is target those that are most likely to respond in terms of ovulation rate, conception rate, by putting them on a good quality amount of green feed, and that's your poor body condition score Use use already in a good body condition score, they're in that positive energy balance, so putting them on that crop is going to have little or less benefit. So if you want to maximise your response, if you've got a limited amount of crop, um, target your poorer condition use, and you get a bigger jump in ovulation rate and allow them to put on some body condition so that they're less affected by this graph that's on your screen uh, later on. So you get two benefits. Um, shall I go forward? Keep going? Yeah, good as go, Paul. Cool. And so then, you know, you, you know you use a, a pregnant, you've scanned them, you're getting towards a later pregnancy and in a scenario where you've bred for three days, three cycles, sorry, at day 120, so about 30-ish days out from lambing, or just short, you'll have some ewes at 120 days pregnant, and some ewes are only 69 days pregnant. And their nutritional demand is hugely different if you think back to my graph. you know Some of them are down here, and some of them are up here on this curve. And so why feed them the same? That you that's later pregnant is never going to say to the one that's more pregnant, oh, you eat it, I don't eat it. She'll just eat it. And... Um, you're taking away feed from an animal that needs it then, and forcing that you that needs it then to more likely use your body reserves. And because at that stage, you're starting to um, increase the feed allowance. You may be starting to think about feeding singles and multiples separately, but I just want to say before we get into that in the next slide, I'm not talking about having you know singles, twins, and triplets, early versus late, plus poor condition, good condition ewes, all in different mobs, and suddenly Paul's told you you've got 10 mobs in the winter. I don't mean that at all. I mean thinking about having your two or three mobs uh, in the winter, but thinking about which ones really need to be in which mob. You know, and and so your early lambing ewes, definitely, especially your uh, multiple-bearing ewes in in small, uh, poor condition. Whereas if you've got an early lambing ewe but she's a singleton in good condition, she could be in that uh, mob for a period of time that's being fed less because she's got uh, greater ability to buffer and she's not going to have so much demand later on. So when I talk about separating them, I mean thinking about just two or three mobs and thinking about the risk that you is under um, from uh, not being fed well enough and forcing her to use your body reserves or, in fact, stopping her from gaining some body reserves. And those late lambing use can be held right back, and I'll talk about that later on. Um, and then just before lambing, and I've chosen a random date of your... Uh, set-stocking about two weeks before lambing. But you can see there, the other ewes that lamb first, they're 132 days of pregnant. But those ewes are going to lamb last are only 81 days pregnant. So they're still 70 days away from uh, lambing. So why are you set-stocking them in the paddock with those other ewes? Because they will eat the grass. They can be pushed a bit harder because when they get to late pregnancy, it is going to be more likely in the spring and the grass is going to be growing uh, under them. So you really only need to be set-stocking the early lamb use, which is 70 to 80% of use, um, and thinking about which paddocks, based on lamb survival history, and thinking, well, you know, those paddocks which are you know lamb survival's not great in, they're the ones I'm going to put the singletons in, because those lambs are the most robust and most likely to survive. Conversely, the triplets, if you identify them, uh, into um, those better survival paddocks, and thinking about pasture covers, etc., which I'll talk a bit more in the next slide. And again, those second and third cycle ewes can still be on rotation. You can still be limiting their intake a bit. So, so all I wanted to say is that the tools allow you to be more informed in your decision making, whether you're using the, the ultrasound, alone scanning or harnessing as well. I do appreciate that, that, that some farms would say, oh, you know, 80 to 90% of my ewes are uh, multiple-bearing twin and triplet. So You know, it's not really worth me separating uh, singles, twins, and triplets, um, because most are multiples. That's fair enough in some scenarios with very high scanning flops. I've, I've no argument about that, but still knowing whether she's early versus late lambing is important, as is knowing whether she's in good body condition score or not is important, because those ewes have different requirements, and there'll be different benefits from offering them in terms of the magnitude of the benefit, in terms of lamb survival, lamb growth, that you'll get from offering them extra food because we never have enough uh, feed on our farms in the winter, and it's about targeting those that are going to give you the best return. So that's all I wanted to say on that before we go to the main part of the talk.